What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and we had a glorious day of football yesterday on Sunday. You had CJ Stroud playing with his hair on fire. You had the Chiefs-Dolphins game in Germany. There is a lot to talk about, and today is Monday, so this is my top 10 lessons learned video where I talk through my top 10 lessons learned, observations, takeaways, all of that good stuff from the football we just watched. Through a fantasy football lens, we take what happened in week nine and we apply it moving forward, heading into week 10. So with all that being said, if you enjoy, make sure down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. Now, our first takeaway here. Look, I don't shy away from the L's or the sore topics. All right, we're going to get straight into it. All right, my first takeaway is fire Arthur Smith, man. Like, it is shoot this man into the sun. I, I haven't seen this level of dysfunction, bad use of talent since Adam Gase is really what it comes down to. Um, I'm actually happy that he shaped his mustache. I was getting people in my comments were saying, Ron, you're like Arthur Smith now. No longer. Okay, no longer do me and Arthur Smith share anything in common. And I do want to point out, before we get into the fantasy football, and we take all of that stuff in, he's maintained this narrative of, I don't care about your fantasy football team, we're winning games here. Well, here's the thing, buddy. You're no longer winning games. You, uh, There was a sequence where uh, this guy, Arthur Smith, just lost to a Vikings team that had Josh Dobbs come in with five days of preparation at home in Atlanta, one of the most embarrassing losses I can think of in recent memory. There was that one, there was like a pivotal spot where Dobbs comes in, he takes a safety immediately. Next drive, he fumbles the ball. The guy runs it down to the one yard line. And from the one yard line, again, we've seen it over and over and over again. Arthur Smith struggle in the red zone because he treats Bijan Robinson like a vintage. I, I wish I knew more about cars, but you know, one of those cars that you just stare at in a garage and that's it. Like that's literally what he treats Bijan as, where they come down one yard line, false start with Algier in the backfield. Then you have a John U. Smith, I believe, screen, a John U. Smith reverse, a Tyler Algier handoff. All get stuffed, and he comes out with three. So Falcons keep handing them the ball and handing them this game, or the Vikings kept hand, handing them the ball and the game, and the Falcons continue to just not capitalize on it because when they get into the important positions of the field, they just over they just overthink it. It, it. it is genuinely insane. And this screenshot here, essentially what I'm trying to show you, this is the Falcon subreddit. I mean, if you go in there, it is like it, it's literally the meme of like the uh SpongeBob in his own head throwing things into fire and throwing papers into fire. That's what it is. The entire thing is a meltdown and nothing it has nothing to do with fantasy football. That's the beautiful part. Or actually, this is the first and goal false start pass to Johnny Smith, end around to uh Johnny Smith, handoff to Algier. Uh Bijan was never on the field. And you can see. 100% roster malpractice should be fired after the game. This is literally just sorting the the highest upvoted posts in the subreddit over the last 24 hours. Fire Arthur Smith today, this very moment. Leave him on the ta uh, tarmac. Uh, Arthur Smith is the worst Atlanta head coach since Bobby Petrino. Dan Quinn and Mike Smith are leagues above him. People defend this guy for what? For consecutive 7-10 and 10 seasons. This is why y'all defend him. Kurt Warner calls out his terrible scheme. And what does he do? He tells Kurt Warner to go solve world problems. I want him... Gone from the city. It's just what it is at this point, man. I, I Again, fantasy football aside, you have taken Drake London, you have taken Bijan, you have taken Kyle Pitts in the top 10 the last three years, and your offense is a nothing burger. 
if you weren't going to have this magical offense that could, you know, raise the level of quarterback play, one of those picks needed to be quarterback, right? They passed on, I believe, I, I don't want to talk out of turn. I'm trying to remember who they've passed on so far, but they definitely passed on like Justin Fields. They probably, they definitely passed on Will Levis. They passed on an opportunity. Maybe they could have traded up and grabbed a quarterback. Just like at no, at no part you had Lamar Jackson was on the trade block the entire offseason and it didn't even they didn't even contemplate it so it's just insane across the board it's just arrogance across the board uh, but we can talk about the fantasy football stuff here uh, let's talk about the fat the bad right so the Falcons come into this game uh, without Drake London and pretty much everyone in fantasy football my understanding was is that okay so this might be a Kyle Pitts and Bijan game because without Drake London the touches are going to funnel their way if they want to win this game right and that's the objective of the National Football League is to win football games you would think the best players would be funneled the football if Drake London is not out there. And they essentially, they're, they're running what? Kaderil Hodge and Van Jefferson at wide receiver. So you'd think we'd run a lot of 12 personnel, get the ball to Bijan, get the ball to Pitts, whatever you have to do. And instead, it did not happen. We didn't get over 10 PPR points from Bijan or Kyle Pitts. Bijan, yes, he fumbled. He got the, the uh, what do you want to call it? The doghouse treatment after that. He wasn't used. Hand up, I'll hold my L on Bijan, right? This is somebody that I had as like my must draft in the first round. We have a lot of Bijan teams this year. Um, I still think he finishes as an RB1 and has like top five running back upside down the stretch, but the 20 plus point per game, top three running back, you know, in the same uh, tier as like your Eckler and McCaffrey this year, uh, that is long gone. And as much as I want to take the L on the chin and learn from this, it just, it, it's so hard because. Yes, we knew Arthur Smith does this nonsense, right? Where he uses his players in weird fashions, but that's usually that's been his receivers, right? The the passing game and everything. This is somebody came from Tennessee, was known, not Kyle Shanahan level, but one of these very good run game coordinators, right? Like last year with Algier, Corderell Patterson, and what like Jason Huntley, they had like a top ten efficiency rush offense. That is now regressed here, but we've seen him have running back season with Derrick Henry, where Derrick Henry was a fantasy stud, like 20 points per game, top five finishes. He's used a bell cow before. So I figured they draft a running back in the top 10. Okay, maybe this time they actually use him and they feed him in a, and not even just a 300 touch, like, you know, blind feeding him, just making him the featured guy. It's just, it, it's insane. I don't think that he's taken a carry inside the five yet this entire season. It's just, it's malpractice. It's insane. Hindsight's 2020. Maybe I should have known that Arthur Smith would have done that, but again, Passing game weirdness, yes, that's fine. We understand that from his perspective, but you would think running back, he wouldn't overthink it this badly, but he has. Now, that is the bad, but we talk about the good from this game. Bijan, clearly better than Algier on a pure touch basis. Everything across the board, he has a better yards for carry, yards for touch, missed tackles force, explosive plays. I, I can't assume every coach is going, to, is going to pretend it's opposite day and just reject their player's uh, actual skill sets. But the good part on Bijan, he still had, despite being in the doghouse, he still had 60, about 60% of the snaps. He still ran just shy of two thirds of the routes. Like that's good usage. That's good usage. It's just the touch distribution from Arthur Smith is insane. The red zone usage from Arthur Smith is insane. The stuff that we were, we were concerned about heading into the year was actually not a big issue. They had 42 pass attempts in this game. Remember last year, they were like a 24.4 pass them per game team where they were just like this low volume run heavy team and like fantasy wasteland. They're actually turning up the tempo and passing the ball here. The the touch distribution, it's just, it's just, it's, the leading target on this team is Car Carterell Hodge, man. I, I, he's one of the few players I couldn't tell you where he went to school. 
it, it's insane. The other one of the other positives, Heineke is better than Ritter. That's you know not exactly up for debate. Uh, an EPA per play, he clears him like we can see uh, here. So this is EPA per play, just like ranked Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke is obviously not a top fifteen quarterback, but he's at worst in your Sam Howell, Minshew, Aiden O'Connell, Ryan Tannehill, you know Tyrod Taylor spectrum there, and you have Desmond Ritter below your Kenny Pickett's, your Tyson Bajan. Uh Josh Dobbs doesn't actually pop on here, which I think is even more of a testament to how bad Arthur Smith has been. But Tyler, Taylor Heineke, his completion percentage was a little bit tough yesterday, but that was because he was pushing the ball downfield. Uh, his ADOT clears um, Ritter's by like two. I think Heineke's ADOT right now is like 10 yards. Ritter's is like eight. It's tough. Um, also, our last point on the, like, the good parts of this game is like we were talking about early on. Arthur Smith lost this game. If you have the fantasy pieces of this offense, you want Arthur Smith to be fired because it would make so much sense for someone to just come in and simply use the players they drafted, right? It would make so much sense for Arthur Smith to get fired, right? The owners say, we drafted these players. Why aren't they being used? You just had one of the most embarrassing losses at home ever. If he loses to the Cardinals next week, like I think he's genuinely in jeopardy of getting fired directly after that game. Like if the Cardinals just got you know, naked lapped against the Browns, like under 60 yards on offense. If Kyler comes in, plays this week, beats the Falcons, that might be it. And then from there, we could just see rational coaching take over and the best players just simply get the ball. We'll simply see, regardless, they lost this game. So maybe they go to the, back to the drawing board. They're like, hey, maybe we win more games. Like it, it's no longer the, the fantasy football war of like, we're winning games, deal with it. It's now we're losing games. Maybe we should change some things, feature Bijan more. I'm sure he's frustrated. So the more dysfunction that we can invite here and the more losing that happens here, the more likely there is for change to happen. Now, that's my Falcons rant. Uh, moving on from that, that was 10 minutes. All right, I'm sorry. I, I don't know that you guys are going to really like that Falcons rant. I think there's going to be a lot of guys in here um, sort of using revisionist history um, and just saying, you know, you're an idiot for everything and Bijan is going to do anything. He's still, in my eyes, a top 12 running back rest of season. Um, but just really frustrating stuff. Now, our second is on the other side of that game. Dobbs might just do enough to, how can I say this, to sort of keep the fantasy pieces in, in Minnesota afloat. Like, we were very scared uh, last week when we talked. You know, we didn't know. Kirk Cousins tears his Achilles. We have no idea if they're going to trade for a quarterback. Right now, we're looking at Jaron Hall, you know, in that timeline. They bring in Josh Dobbs, and Josh Dobbs might do just enough to keep everything afloat here. Now, obviously not to the uh, spot it was at pre-Kirk Cousins Achilles, but maybe instead of it being this massive drop-off, it's more like, you know, 70% of what Kirk Cousins was or 75%. And that's probably enough for these guys not to absolutely plummet, if that makes sense, uh, for fantasy football. And just also what a story on Josh Dobbs, right? He's moved around a ton his entire career. He was like a Steeler, Titan, Cardinal, had some good games with the Cardinals was looking pretty rough down the stretch, comes in, astronaut or whatever, super smart. You have Kevin O'Connell like pretty much breaking down, like giving him the play call. And then once everyone gets lined up, just like through his ear telling him, okay, you're gonna be you're gonna be reading the high low on this guy. From here, you go across the field. It's pretty crazy. The um shout out the QB school as well. Uh JT O'Sullivan, he has a YouTube channel. I watched his entire like 40 minute breakdown today of the Josh Dobbs game. Just absolutely insane. He's like reading the entire field without like I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine not even understanding like what's going on. I know that there's concepts that sort of travel from team to team, but it's insane. Some of these throws were super, super difficult. And it was like maybe the first time he's even thrown a ball to said receiver, you know, like all off season quarterbacks are working through having guys run routes for them, throwing, 
timing, all of that down. And Dobbs just comes in five days with this team um, and beats the Falcons. He goes 20 for 30, 158 yards. He gets two touchdowns. You see 12 targets to, to Hawkinson, uh, seven targets to Addison. Addison had seven uh, targets, five catches, 52 yards. Seven targets there, some of them downfield. I think that that'll do. Again, I think that this passing offense only gets better here. Uh, and then you have Dobbs in this pass-heavy Kevin O'Connell scheme, so it's going to be quarterback-friendly. It's going to be a lot of passing, so I think that's going to be good. Again, I don't think it's going to completely sink your Addison, Hawkinson, Alexander Madison when Jefferson comes back. Again, it's maybe 80% of what those guys were with Kirk Cousins, sure, but I'd feel much better today than I did when uh, Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles. And I also think like Dobbs is going to be in the weekly stream mix as well. Like, he, he gave what? He had seven carries for 66 yards and a touchdown on the ground, like making plays with his feet, extending plays. I think he's in a spot here, uh, kind of like Geno Smith uh, the last two years, where I almost think the weapons are too good for him to fail. And I think that the sort of infrastructure of Kevin O'Connell is too good for him to fail there. So a, a lot of exciting stuff around the Vikings on the other side of that game. Um, our third takeaway or lessons learned is it's now JT's show, Step Aside, Mr. Zach Moss. I mean, it's crazy. This is a uh, chart from, this is a chart from, I believe, uh, the utilization report on Fantasy Life. I want to make sure that I'm shouting out sources. Sometimes I just uh, forget to because we're so deep into the season. But this is from the utilization report on my Fantasy Life. It's a really cool tool. It's like Math Matthew Barry's new site. Um, and it breaks down player utilization by week. And you can see Zach Moss going from 51% of the snaps in week seven to 39% to now 19%. And just a complete Jonathan Taylor takeover where he goes from about 50% to 61% to now 75%. And he has 18 carries in this game, five targets, 17.9 PPR points. He set a season high in snaps. It's just absolutely beautiful. And then you have as well for Zach Moss, he set season lows in snaps at 19%. He set season lows on touches with just seven in this game. So it's absolutely beautiful. I don't think that Jonathan Taylor even scored a touchdown in this game. I think I think he was a touchdown or two away. You had the Colts kind of doing some fluky things with the uh, Colts defense scored twice. I think it was the same guy uh, as well. But yeah, I'm trying to check. Did Taylor score a touchdown in this game? Uh, he did. He scored a receiving touchdown. So he scored a receiving touchdown. He wasn't all that efficient versus Carolina. Um, but I think Carolina's D-line with like what, Brian Burns and Derek Brown is probably a little bit underrated. Uh, they're probably playing a little bit below what their talent level actually is. But regardless, the passing game unit usage is what's to really look at here. 75% of the routes is elite. Like, that's that's about where Rashad White's running, right? And Rashad White coming out of college, receiving back, and then, like, maybe his rushing. It was the opposite for Jonathan Taylor, but now he's being used in all situations. And that's really exciting, right? Again, 75% of the routes, he had a 23% target share, 50% uh, of the inside the five uh, attempts. 80% of long down and distance, 100% of the two-minute drill. That is really, really strong. He is on a little bit of a heater here, 21 PPR points, then 11, then 18 this week. To me, Jonathan Taylor uh, is squarely in the mix as like a top five running back rest of season, somewhere right there, five, six, seven, maybe even four, something in that area. Uh, I would be very excited if you had Jonathan Taylor. I think that he gets a game versus New England and then a bye. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, our fourth takeaway here is, is that Dalton Schultz is on a hot streak, man. I, I don't think Dalton Schultz is getting enough uh, pub here. Again, this is the utilization report, and you can see not really doing too much early on, right? Two PPR points, seven PPR points, two PPR points, and then from week four on, he has been the tight end three in points per game from weeks four on. Uh, he has, you know, week four, he was the tight end six. Week five, he was the tight end five. Week six, he was the tight end two. 
week eight had a down week, week seven was a bye, and then week nine, he has been the tight end one this week. And over the last two weeks, week eight and nine, yes, he didn't really go crazy last week in week eight versus the Panthers, but he has been over 80% of the routes in two straight games here, which is just absolutely beautiful. He's hovering around like a 20% target share. That's really all you need. He is, you know, with the Dallas Goddard injury and kind of the Darren Waller injury and just like what tight end has been this year. He's a, probably a top six tight end rest of the season. So if you have Dalton Schultz, man, um, you should be very excited about that. And in part, because of just how good uh, CJ Stroud has been, man. I, I, we gave him his flowers early on. Um, and I think everyone's sort of under the same assumption that he has just been doing amazing, but it's truly insane, man. He had like, well, like 470 yards, five touchdowns, zero picks. Like, I, I think that he he's like a top 10 quarterback already. It's truly crazy. Like, this is rookie year adjusted net yards per pass attempt. So you can see the formula here. It's like, it's it's essentially, if, if you're being a good, efficient quarterback, it rewards you, right? Like, it, take, it takes interceptions, passing touchdowns, passing yards, sack yards, uh, passes attempted, times sacked, and it kind of like spits out an adjusted net yards per attempt. And just on a uh, on a per pass on basis, what are you doing out there? And these are the highest ever for rookie quarterbacks with over 200 pass attempts in their rookie year. It is a pretty crazy list. Like just from a pure passing standpoint, it's Stroud, then Dak. Mark Mark Bulger's before my time, fellas. I'm going to be honest with you guys. But Robert Griffin III, I mean, Dan Marino, Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, Dustin Herbert, like the top 10 is insane. It drops off a little bit from there, but it's a great list to be a part of, man. I mean, Cam Newton's on here, uh, Joe Burrow, Andrew Luck at the bottom. You can see across the board as well, just 14 touchdowns to one interception. Like that is insanity, man. Uh, and I, I talked about this on Twitter and I hate to always make this about me, right? The Jets are playing tonight. I have the Jets sweatshirt on. It's like, it, it's wild how the draft works because the Texans, uh, people love to say, oh, the same old Jets, same old Jets. And sure, fine, whatever. But Texans, you know, expansion team, haven't really done much. No Super Bowl, I don't think. You know, J.J. Watt ran the city. Deshaun Watson was there for a little bit. But, like, they're, I wouldn't call them a cursed franchise, but they're not anything special. Same thing with the the Bengals. And it's just crazy how, you know, you can be a cursed franchise and you can just take a quarterback at the second overall and it can change everything, right? You can get C.J. Stroud or you can be the Jets and you can draft Zach Wilson. You know, like, that's – it's it's pretty wild, Um how how pivotal that can be and how how far the range truly is um on those guys but yeah man CJ Stroud is pacing to set the record for adjusted net yards per attempt uh in a rookie year you know he's one of the few guys on this list with over a 100 passer rating I don't love that stat to begin with but it's just like I it's it's truly truly wild uh what he's doing here he's pacing for what like 4,500 passing yards and like 30 touchdowns as a rookie with like two interceptions. It's crazy, man. Um, but next up, our fifth here is a quarterback that's not doing so well. It's Can, can we get a Geno Smith vibe check for the people real quick? I, I truly don't know where we're at on Geno Smith um, at this point. This is a chart from Ben Baldwin, uh, a.k.a. the Computer Cowboy. He This is EPA per play, so just per play efficiency on the y-axis uh, axis with uh, offensive PFF grade across the bottom. So just like, you know, are you looking good on film? Are you looking good on a per-play basis efficiency-wise? Geno Smith was in that top right last year next to, like, you know, your Tua, your Dax, your Hurts. Also, look where CJ Stroud is, man. He is right – he is in that upper uh, third or upper quarter there, you know, in the same pocket as Justin Herbert, uh, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott. I mean, it's just – it's truly wild what he's doing. But 
we look at Gino, he's now, he's apparently looking better on film, right? He has a better PFF grade than his EPA shows, but he's now more in this, I don't know, he's more in this like Russell Wilson, Tannehill, Deshaun's been cooked this year, Derek Carr area. Like he's, he's no longer one of the elites this year, right? Where last year he had 30 plus touchdowns. Um, it's not as good this year where I sort of took, took his through eight game stat stats here. Um, less passing yards, less completion percentage this year, uh, worst touchdown interception ratio, worst yards per attempt, PFF grade way low, uh, big time throw to turnover worthy play ratio was better last year. EPA per play, he's in the negative. Last year, he was in the positive. Uh, plus 4.4% completion percentage over expected. So that's still good. He's still throwing the football well. Uh, plus 8.3% last year. And in points per game, he's at 13. Last year, he was at 18.2 at this point. So it seems like he's regressed. Um, and I think that that's probably fair, right? Where like last year uh, was kind of an outlier for him and he's kind of regressed. But the issue is like, you know, how far has he now regressed? Are we now in like the Derek Carr area of like, can probably handle an NFL offense, but that's like probably about it. Um, can he raise the offense a little bit? Is he now a like net minus? Is he now like a sort of what Geno Smith was three years ago? It's just like kind of a backup. I, I don't think that he's gone that far, right? You know, 1,800 yards, nine touchdowns, seven picks. That's probably fine, but we're talking like pretty average NFL quarterback play uh, at this spot, and he's attached to weapons everywhere. You know, they have Kenneth Walker and JSN and Metcalf and Lockett, and even Noah Fant on a per-touch basis has been elite. Um, they lose 37-3 to to the Ravens. Ravens are a great team, uh, but it's just tough. You know, I, I think from a real-life football perspective, it's it's a real question of, how far can Geno Smith truly take this team? Like, can Geno Smith win a Super Bowl? I don't know. Uh, like, I, I wouldn't bet on it, you know? Um, but I think that he, he's probably enough for fantasy football, and that's really all we're talking about here. Uh, and in this game, when we look at the stats, you had nothing, right? 157 yards through the air, 28 yards on the ground. It was just, it, it just got absolutely dominated. Uh, but you can see... JSN led this team in, or no, no, he didn't lead the team in targets. He had seven targets, a lock, it's eight, but he led the team in catches and yards. Good game for JSN that we'll talk about in the rookie wide receiver port in a second here. Uh, it's also worth mentioning that utilization report shows us the last two weeks, weeks eight and nine, uh, Zach Charbonnet has more snaps than Kenneth Walker. The thing is, though, he's yet to out-touch Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker is still getting the ball on his share of his snaps. It just seems like in these trailing game scripts where it's like super competitive or they're coming from behind, it seems like that's when they lean on Zach Charbonnet. And again, that's what we were scared of in the preseason. He had 100% of the long down and distance snaps the last two weeks and 100% of the two-minute drill snaps the last two weeks. So that's really going to phase out Kenneth Walker in these competitive, you know, up-tempo, playing from behind game scripts in theory. That's not going to happen every week, but it is something that is worth noting for Kenneth Walker. Now, when we talk about our rookie wide receivers, we have the world-famous rookie wide receiver report, as everybody knows it. I do want to say, though, this rookie wide receiver report is sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Make sure you check it out. We have a really cool thing going on where we have a partner special. You can see in the top, in the uh, bottom right here, it's Garrett Wilson, higher than 0.5 total yards he has done that in every career game so far this is strictly for those of you guys who use promo code ron if you've used it in the past which i absolutely love you guys that use it in the summer everything like that if you've used it at any point in time you get access to this partner special you go higher on the 0.5 total yards and it's pretty much a free square is what i would call it for their pick'em lobby now this is their pick'em lobby you can see it here 
I was kind of messing around. I was picking out some football ones that I liked earlier, but you can see, I mean, they have everything, man. They have NBA, they have college basketball. Dude, I love, dude, they have college basketball, which is just insane. You can do Zach Eady, higher points, higher points, rebound. There's nothing out there this intricate when it comes to, you know, player projections, all of that good stuff. Um, so definitely check it out if you haven't already. That's kind of the point of this whole thing. If you haven't checked it out, make sure you do if you've used promo code Ron. If you haven't used promo code Ron, you're like, Ron, what are, you, what are we even looking at here? This is Underdog Fantasy. You can do uh, pick-ems here where you go higher or lower. You string them together, right? If you get three correct, you get 6x. If you get four correct, you get 10x. Uh, all of that here. And then on top of that, you get fantasy drafts. where We do best ball drafts all summer long. You can do daily drafts. It's kind of like DFS. It's all very, very cool. If you're new to Underdog Fantasy, you can use promo code RON and they'll match your first deposit up to $100. There's a link in the description in the comment section down below. Click it, take it on Underdog Fantasy. It'll use promo code RON. It'll match your first deposit up to $100. And you can use our special Garrett Wilson higher than 0.5 total yards tonight and just get a nice free square here. Um, and these, I, I don't mind, dude. Brees Hall, you know, going higher. Brees Hall on 13.25 happy PR points. I think Austin Eckler is probably a guy who... Uh, is going to get a ton of catches versus this Jets defense underneath. And then the Jets have also been pretty rough against uh, tight ends this year. I think they're allowing like the top five most points per game. You have no Josh Palmer. Higher on three receptions for Gerald Everett uh, feels really solid. And then you can just throw in Garrett Wilson, pretty much got a freebie there, and have it go up to 10x. So that's all only for people who have used promo code RON or use it between now and kickoff. So with that being said, we have the world-famous rookie wide receiver report what the people came here to see now we got to sort of get us get recentered here just bear with me fellas um but here we are man here we freaking are we'll put the special right here why not um but yeah all right so the, the way that this works we have week seven route percentage week eight week nine so just over the last three weeks how involved in the routes have you been you know if you're it, a route is just a passing play so how what percentage of passing plays are you running a route on you have target per route run you have yards per route run just on a per route basis how many targets are you commanding Anything where 20% is good, anything where 25% is elite. Yards per route run, you know, how efficient are you on those routes? Anything over 2 is elite. Anything over like 1.5 is solid. Uh, and then PFF grade, anything over 80 is elite. Anything over 70 is solid. Uh, and then we have our percent change here. All right, take into account what your PFF grade was at last week, what it is now, and then just simply what's the percent change. So are you kind of on, on a, on a one-week snapshot, are you trending up or trending down compared to what you've been doing all season long? So with that being said... We have Puka Nakua here, and these are also all sort sorted by uh, PFF grade, uh, minimum 80-plus routes here. Now, first up, we have Puka Nakua. You have the game with Brett Ripien here. It's tough to make any huge takeaways. You know, Brett Ripien, backup quarterback or whatever. Puka Nakua still led this team in targets. Uh, he goes into the bye this week. Hopefully, they get Matt Stafford on the other side of that bye in Week 11. Uh, I'm really not all that concerned about Puka Nakua at this point. Then you have Rashi Rice. Not a huge day, uh, but he did lead all KC wide receivers in snaps here. Uh, he caught a touchdown. All you need is the route percentage to go up. It's tough. They like to rotate their wide receivers, but if we could see this get to 80% or better, he is going to be an every week starter moving forward. Then we have Demario Douglas. I think that they call him Pop Douglas, but he led all wide receivers in snaps, routes, and targets this week. Had just seven targets, five catches, 55 yards. So nothing too, too crazy, but this is very good. This is like a day three guy who is essentially the wide receiver one for an NFL team at this point. He's trending up 3.3% plus is great. Um, PFF grade 78. I mean, everything looks great. I mean, he's in a Mac Jones offense with a 1.81 yards per out run. So everything Demario Douglas is doing 
uh, is very good for just like the situation he's in and where he was drafted. Uh, after you have Tank Dell, this is he has seven NFL games. Tank Dell, three of them he's gone over twenty PPR points. Very firmly, Tank Dell is a guy in this league. He's also very exciting because his A dot is fourteen point two yards this year. The biggest concern with guys that look like Tank Dell is that they are going to be Wandale Robinson or Rondell Moore, where they just get shoehorned into the slot role with like a five-yard A dot. And that's just, you know, Jarvis Landry type volume where you get like maybe seven catches for like 45 yards, and that's kind of your day. Uh, Tank Dell is not that. Yards per run elite, target per run elite, PFF grade trending towards 80 plus. I mean, Tank Dell uh, is the real deal and feels like one of these round three guys that just becomes kind of a, you know, a guy like Keenan Allen uh, or Chris Godwin in the NFL. Uh, after that, that might be too high of praise. I, I will I will backtrack a bit on, on those comps, but you get what I'm saying. You know, round three wide receivers um, that become true difference makers. I mean, he's what he's doing this year is special. Uh, you have Jake Bobo. He's not running enough routes for us to care for fantasy. PFF loves him, but that's really all you can say there. Uh, Josh Downs came into this week with a knee injury. He leaves early. Uh, they have a game, and then they have a bye week, and then after that, hopefully he's fresh by then. Uh, nothing to take away there. Marvin Mims is on bye. You have Jordan Addison, who we just talked about. Uh, he did about as good as you could do with a quarterback on short notice. Seven targets, five catches, 52 yards. To me, uh, he went from someone that was like maybe dead on impact for the rest of the year after the Kirk Cousins injury is now a guy that you can confidently play as like a wide receiver three slash flex play, uh, which is more than fine for where you drafted him. Uh, you have Michael Wilson, who put up literally a goose egg this week versus the Browns. Again, I keep saying this. I'm not convinced he's all that talented, right? We, we, we keep on running routes and we keep on doing like pretty much nothing with them. I don't know. Maybe things change with Kyler Murray, but I'm just not convinced Michael Wilson uh, is really much of a difference maker. After that, we have Zay Flowers. Had just one target for one catch and 11 yards and a blowout win over the Seahawks. I still do believe in Zay Flowers, but I do question kind of what the ceiling looks like. He goes from a guy that... I mean, through the first two weeks, he was probably like wide receiver one among all rookies. And then Puka Nakua kept going crazy. So now it's Puka by like a pretty big margin. And now Zay Flowers is probably right in that same bucket as Jordan Addison is like a, a back end wide receiver two in Dynasty, wide receiver three in fantasy football for redraft. It's tough. This team just is too good at running the football. Um, and they keep playing with leads. Like this Baltimore Ravens team is so good that it's hurting Zay Flowers at this point. It's tough. I mean, 20% target prep run is good, uh, but it is a bit concerning. You know, the efficiency is dipping here. The PFF grade is dipping here. So he goes from someone that's like maybe like this undeniable special talent to not just a guy, but, you know, just not this like truly special, special player. It's tough. Like the the ceiling isn't exactly presenting itself uh, at this point in time. Uh, after that, you have Jaden Reed. That was my bad. I called him on the sneaky start uh, video. I thought this 80% plus was going to stick. He literally led the team in route percentage last week. Goes back down to 45%. Per route basis still looks good. PFF doesn't like him. I still think that he's a guy, but he's someone that can be safely dropped at this point and probably ignored at this point uh, for like redraft purposes. Now, after that, you can... Hope you guys didn't hear too much of that. After that, you can kind of safely discard Dontavion Wicks. He had like a really... I think he fumbled at one point. It was just like a very silly looking play, but I don't know if they, they called that back. I think Trey Tucker might have caught the deep bomb from Aiden O'Connell, but that's really all you can say. Uh, he did see a 10.4% increase in his PFF grade, but it's still just 60.3. Uh, you have uh, you have Tyler Scott. Nothing to see here. I mean, that's brutal. Uh, Trey Palmer, he continues to run a lot of routes, uh, but kind of, he's he's sort of he's Trey Palmer's honestly just Michael Wilson. Like that's that he's very close to Michael Wilson. 
um, at this point. Now, after that, we go to Quentin Johnston. He plays tonight. You have Jalen Hyatt. That's a tough one. QB Hell at this point. You have like Tommy DeVito. Uh, he's played with three different quarterbacks at this point as a rookie. It's tough. I mean, at least he's running routes and is in the mix. But if these numbers hold, like he's looking like a pretty firm face planter, you know, like a Diami Brown uh, type guy that never kind of sees the light of day. Like, we're, Look, I'm going to be honest with you guys. We're getting to the point of the year where that's just kind of the uh, reality of the situation. You know, if, if we don't see anything through nine weeks, face planting is kind of what we're talking about here. Uh, then we have JSN. We talked about him earlier, but he's trending up. Uh, you can see 1.9% increase in his PFF grade. Uh, since the bye week, he's looked a lot better. Uh, he led all Seahawks wide receivers in receiving yards and receptions this week. Back up to 80% plus of the routes. Arrow up on JSN. Again, uh, Geno's kind of the question mark there at this point. Then you have Mingo. Right now, like Jalen Hyatt, I would say like the two biggest face planners at this point in the year, I would say Jalen Hyatt and John Mingo are like pretty much dead at this point. He's running all of the routes, all of them, 98% plus. Uh, I mean, we're talking, I mean, he went minus 4% PFF grade this week. He continues to plummet in PFF grade. Yards per out run, nothing. Targets per out run is nothing. Uh, just not very good from John Mingo, which we liked him for redraft because he was a dart throw, but Mingo was a guy uh, in Dynasty that we uh, didn't really, like per, by the numbers, he didn't look great. He was just kind of a, a size speed guy. Um, and those are definitely dangerous to bet on long term but I don't mind I, I don't mind the one-year flyer on him because the price was much cheaper now moving on to that we have a bunch of running back takeaways I kind of wanted to go through with you guys uh, we have some backfields that are changing just ever so slightly here and first up we have season low usage for Alvin Kamara uh, with Alvin Kamara he's been amazing all year uh, he was a trade candidate of ours a couple weeks ago then he lights up the Colts and we're like ah man that maybe wasn't the greatest call uh, but it's looking, it's not looking tough for him. He's probably an RB1 rest of season, Alvin Kamara. Uh, but he goes from a guy that was has been dominating the snaps, dominating usage, like 20-plus points per game, uh, to his worst game so far uh, as a Saint. In this game, he had season lows in, I believe, snaps, usage, like volume, expected points uh, in this game. He had just 11 PPR points. He had nine carries for 26 yards. And he had four catches for 44 yards. And that was really it in this game. And this is kind of the issue that we talked about. Jamal Williams is now eating into things, right? Where Jamal Williams played 27 of the snaps to Kamara's 31. Uh, Jamal Williams ran 11 routes to Kamara's 18, which is really not good for Kamara. Five targets to two targets. Nine carries for Kamara. Three carries for Jamal Williams. On top of that, you have Taysom Hill in the mix. Taysom Hill. 11 carries. Taysom Hill led this team in carries today. T like Taysom Hill's a guy you can start every week as a tight end at this point, uh, just because he's carrying the ball so much. But you're getting squeezed from both sides on Kamara, uh, and that's really tough. So, I mean, maybe this is just a one-game thing, but if this sticks for Kamara, he becomes more of a fringe RB1 than like that top five solidified type guy that he's been the last few weeks. Now, after that, we have Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is back. Uh, he's been kind of nursing a hamstring injury all year. You can see here these charts by like these tables here that you see these are from pff packers win this game 20 to 3 they don't have to score many points but uh aaron jones had his best game since week one of the nfl season when he tore or not tore he pulled his hamstring uh but aaron jones in this game 18.9 ppr points 24 touches a 20 percent plus target share almost a 60 percent snap share uh fringe rb1 moving forward he's explosive he looks good uh he is probably going to be the piece of this Green Bay Packers offense that they rally around 
uh, rest of the season because they were kind of on a skid there for a second. After that, we have the Chiefs' backfield where uh, we got exposed a little bit on the sneaky start. Thankfully, Jerick McKinnon scored a touchdown, so anybody that was brave enough to start Jerick McKinnon, you did fine. Uh, but Jerick McKinnon had three touches, man, which is crazy. So I was assuming without Clyde Edwards-Alaire, right? So Clyde Edwards-Alaire was in there week eight. I was assuming without Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jerick McKinnon goes from 40% of the snaps to, you know, maybe like 45% to 50%. Instead, he actually goes down to 23%. And Pacheco shoots up to 70%. Pacheco gets 16 carries, one target, just 6.6 PPR points this week. But I did want to note this. Like, this is a really, really, really good usage for Pacheco. He is the clear workhorse there uh, in lighter, like more cupcake matchups. Pacheco should be just fine. He's getting... Uh, all of the looks, all of the carries, like he is dominating this backfield. And when it condenses down to two, he's the one who absorbs the role, not McKinnon, which to me speaks volumes. And then our 10th and final takeaway here, or lessons learned, is Jerome Ford is the lead back in Cleveland. Uh, we thought, you know, he had a high ankle sprain. High ankle sprains are tough to come back from. Uh, and he came back from it in one week of practice. And then this week he was all systems ago. 65% of the snaps. Uh, he had seven targets, 20 carries. He didn't necessarily, I don't think that he really went crazy. Like, I, I want to see what he ended up with. Yeah, I mean, 12.7 P, uh, PPR points, 2.2 yards per carry, but seven targets, 20 carries. I mean, that is RB2 usage in fantasy football uh, at this point in the year. So Jerome Ford's someone that you can definitely put in your lineup every week. Uh, it was a little bit weird that he didn't have a great week, but amazing stuff. The only issue right now is that Kareem Hunt is consistently bolstering him on the goal line. Uh, Kareem Hunt, I believe, had 100%. Uh, I think that I think Kareem Hunt had like 100% of the goal line carries in that game. So that's the only thing to worry about. But if he's going to get 15 plus touches every game, it's not that big of a concern. I'm sure that he'll mix back in on the goal line, but it is crazy how, how, how much they've been favoring Kareem Hunt. Now that is our top three lessons learned for week 10 of the fantasy football season. Hope you guys enjoyed that again for tonight and tonight only. Make sure you check it out. We have a special Garrett Wilson. I don't know why I said Garrett Wilson, but a special Garrett Wilson line in the Pick'em Lobby strictly for those of you guys who use promo code RON. If you've used it in the past or if you want to use it right now, use promo code RON. They will match your first deposit up to $100 on Underdog. I'll have a link in the description in the comment section down below. You click it, it'll take you there. Use promo code RON and go to the Pick'em Lobby and you can Get a nice little free space in there. Garrett Wilson, higher on 0.5 total yards. Again, every game of his career, he has cleared that. So I appreciate you guys for watching. Hope you guys enjoyed. And I will see y'all in the next one. Like this froze, ice cold, oh, oh.